She praises the Lord, does she? All right. All right. Heavenly Father, hallelujah. I appreciate you, Lord. I appreciate you. Heavenly Father, Savior He is, all His glory and power, salvation that came through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, what a privilege to stand in His presence tonight. Hallelujah, what a privilege to stand in the presence of divinity. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Turn with me to, while you're standing, to St. Matthew. The 11th chapter, we will be reading the last two verses of that chapter. Simply says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, breathe upon the Holy Writ tonight. Fathers, we opened the book, we recognize it was there put there by the anointing of God, and in it is a lesson for us. Father, except we're anointed with our Holy Ghost of our minds, we will miss it. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you'd open our understanding, God, and we might extract from there the things that is so necessary in lives today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Daniel brought me a paper telling about, and I've heard about him some time ago, but he's an 83-year-old Reverend Kirby Hensley. And if you want some license for ministry, 
send him five dollars and he'll license you for anything no questions asked he says in here that one time unknowingly he ordained a monkey and a cat I said all that to say this there's different types of of uh, things you can get Nathan I want you to be still boy Nathan I want you to be still don't talk louder than I do alright alright some of the things you can get ordained for is bishop monsignor missionary cardinal right reverend guru archpriest spiritual counselor colonel sister archbishop field missionary friar abbot reverend mother on and on all types of things you can get ordained for just cost you five dollars and he ordains anybody but I said all that to say this because something clicked in my spirit and I thought it might go along with a lesson tonight his belief Kirby Hensley is a former Baptist and a former Pentecostal and he claims his goal through the ULC that's what he calls it is to free people from religious fanaticism religious fanatics are people who say they're Christian and do other things he says said he doesn't consider himself a sinner but he also says he's not a Christian he calls Jesus an antichrist Jesus is an antichrist because he said I be lifted up I'll draw all men unto me Hensley said he's the biggest liar that I ever that ever lived in this earth he promised everything but delivered nothing that's a brash statement from an individual but I thought as I read that he said something very brazenly that a lot of us unwittingly or unknowingly says privately Jesus you promised a lot of things and you haven't delivered amen now let's be honest I told you I was going to be as compassionate as I know how and I would do anything in this world if I didn't have to say some things that I'll have to say tonight but in order to be able to live with myself and be pleasing to God I've got to say them and I ask that you would take it from somebody that's concerned about you concerned about things that's happening in our lives and concerned about our inability to cope with them I'm going to do my best to take my time tonight and if you want to sit there and look at me real quizzical you do that <laughs> amen if you want to smile at me you do that if you just want to laugh out loud you do that if you want to frown you do that but I'm going to preach to you amen I think uh, the Lord told Ezekiel one time I'm going to make your forehead like flint and you don't be afraid of them amen so I've got a pretty hard head My wife says, Amen. What I want to look at tonight is some very, what looks like very simple scriptures, and I want to remind you that the Lord spoke directly to me in some of those issues. I'll not be able to get out everything in these scriptures that ought to be get, gotten out, but I will be able to set before us something that ought to challenge our life. It's not an in depth thing. But it's something that is sometimes very menial that we miss while we look for the depths of the thing. Jesus simply says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I don't know, I couldn't tell you how many individuals that I've talked to 
Let him said, I went to him the only way and the best way I know how, heavy laden and laborious in my work, spiritually speaking, and I got no rest. Isn't that almost the same thing that this man said? Amen. He said it maybe grazingly, but we say it as if there's something wrong with God's Scripture or His Word. When all actuality, if we don't receive what God said we would receive, it's certainly not His fault. It's a misunderstanding on our part, a misnomer on some of the things that we are. We do not approach Him right or come to Him right. And He says, take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and those are important words, you shall find rest for your soul. Now Christ's invitation... Now, Schofield says this is a new message of Jesus, not a message of the kingdom, but it is a message of personal discipleship, personal relationship with God that he knew at that time, beginning at that time, that individuals would need on up to our day and preceding our day on up to the coming of the Lord, and certainly even more so as we see the day approaching. And if you will notice, he was talking to us in the spiritual sense of the word. His invitation is to all that labor and are heavy laden. He's not mindful of color here. He's not mindful of super spiritual or not. His offer here, an invitation here, is to everybody that labors and are heavy laden. And there's a lot of toil in this life of ours. Some of us have cares of life that's just simply overwhelming in our life. And some of us have pain and sickness sometimes that distracts us. Others have doubts and fears. And on and on we could go with what is happening in our church world today. We know and expect for life outside of Christ to be like this, but we never expected for life in Christ to be like this, and it ought not to be. Amen. If God's Word is true at all, if there's any sense in it at all, if he is not somebody to just promised a lot and give us nothing, then certainly his word is true. And if we are not receiving from God, then we have to simply delve into the scripture and find out about it. Jesus bids us come to him, and there is a need for effort in our spiritual life. Yes. A lot of times when we're simply down and we're out and Everything is going wrong on us. It is human nature to become listless, to become lukewarm, and sometimes to become indifferent to our lives, to our calling, and the things that's going on around us. But there is need for effort in our spiritual life. If we're going to maintain a quality of spiritual life that God intended, it is an all-out effort every time we get up from our bed to the time we go to bed. And sometimes even on our pillars at night, the enemy is there to attack us in our thoughts. Everything that's surrounding us. Jesus says, come to me. That sounds simple, don't it? There's far more to it than that. We have to realize that coming to God implies a spiritual effort. There has to be meditation. There has to be some time set aside out from the toils and cares of this life, out from our downside and set aside for meditation upon our lives. What have we missed in the Word of God, if anything? What can we do to curb this thing that is taking control of us? 
Read the Psalmist David sometimes and you'll hear some of the same questions that we have. And if you read him long enough, you'll find some good answers that he received while he's in those particular times. And there has to be earnest prayer. I don't necessarily mean prayer where you come and beat the altar and sometimes that's good because we relieve ourselves of a a lot of anxiety. But I'm talking about earnest prayer inside coming from our soul in all honesty asking God to reveal to us what His will actually is and if we've missed it someplace, Lord, let me be honest enough to find it and then in all of this, There has to be a very diligent use of God's grace. For the grace of God that has brought salvation. You see, we've got to use the grace of God. Anytime we're in situations like this, that devil will come to us and he'll convince us if we're not careful that we have no right to anything. We have no right to this, have no right to that, and that's where we use the grace of God. That's where we say, but the grace of God has brought His salvation. It's not been my works, it has not been my goodness, but it has been the grace of God. And the grace of God is eternal. And it needs to be always working in our life. And times like this, times we have mentioned in our life, cares of our life, overwhelming, pain and sickness that we can't get rid of, doubts and fears that stare us in the face every morning and every night uh, as we go to bed every morning, as we wake up, needs a diligent use of God's grace. That says, God, your grace is sufficient for me. And in this, we have to rouse our souls. We have to work at it, saints. Listen to me as I tell you what God spoke to me. We have to rouse our souls to action. And the best thing we can do is begin to get off of whatever we're sitting on and get our feet in the road and do what God asks us to do. Rousing our soul to immediate action. Because if we don't, if we don't, we can become complacent. All right, we can become uh, just useless. And the first thing you know, we we become, in a sense, and I hate to say this word, I don't like it, backslidden. Amen? Pentecostal backslidden people who have known the Word of God. If the prodigal son, when he had taken everything that he had and left, had not recovered from his pig pen experience, He would have stayed in the far country. He would have stayed exactly where he was at, eating the husk from uh, the court of the hogs, and never realizing and never accomplishing. And uh, instead, this man said, I will arise and go to my father's house. In other words, I'm not going to stay here in this dastardly state that Satan has placed me in, I'm going to arouse my soul and rouse my spirit and I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to go to God. I'm going to go to my Father's house. I'm going to stay there until God tells me something. I refuse to live a defeated life. And even with that, we have to come to Christ. It's only He That can give us rest for our souls and rest in our weariness. He's the only one that can refresh our toiling, anxious soul. He's the only one that can give peace to the mind distracted by bewildering doubts. Nobody else can do it. 
We look around in a sense at our brothers and sisters. We feel like sometimes they're not as compassionate as they ought to be. And they don't care like they ought to care. But you remember in times like this, after it's all said and done, this is a personal battle between you and the devil. We can pray, we can agonize, we can give you shoulders to lean on, and we can cry with you. And when it comes right down to that, it is you and the powers of the enemy, and you run to Jesus. Amen. He's the one that can give you rest for your soul. He's the one that can take the weariness out of your life. He's the one that can refresh you after a lot of, of anxious toil. He's the one that can give you a mind after, after himself. And I looked as I was looking at that word coming to me. All you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. And I missed a lot of them. There's no possible way, even in the New Testament, much less in the Old, I can name them all where individuals actually came to Jesus. Check your Bible and you will see all types of people but different circumstances and different things in their life that ought to drive them away from God and do a lot of things today that yet actually gathered all the resources of their heart, roused their soul to action, and came to find Jesus. Time and time again you see that. You see a leper, and if you ever knowing what a leper's like and the twistedness and the sickly things of his body, uh, in other words, it would encourage him to lay down and die and end this misery and pain as quick as he could. But we find a leper here that came to Jesus and fell down and worshipped him. Jesus didn't come to him. He found Jesus. He came to Jesus, fell down and worshipped him, and said, if you will, you can make me clean. Uh, he was actually saying, in a sense, I recognize, perhaps, that I'm not supposed to touch you, and you're not supposed to touch me, and that's the way it was with the leper. If you touched that leper while he was unclean, you would be unclean also, but they came to the right place. Hallelujah. They didn't come to what was under the law. They came to what was with Jesus. And the Bible strictly says, it's pointed out for a reason, and Jesus set forth his hand and touched him. Hallelujah. Instead of Jesus becoming leprous, the power of the Holy Spirit entered into that life and that leper become clean because he came to Jesus. Matthew 8 and 8, when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. And he says, my servant is sick with the palsy. These are old scriptures, I know that. And you've heard them, but let's get the consensus of what is going on back there when these was written and realize that God said, I am God, and I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. It is not He that changed, it's our approach to Him. Amen. It is our belief in Him as we approach Him. Come on. And Jesus looks at him and says, I'll come and heal him. But that centurion said something that not a lot of Holy Ghost filled people will say today. He simply said that I'm a man 
I have individuals under authority to me, and if I say go here, go there, they do that. And he recognized the authority of Jesus Christ. And he said, now then, you just speak the word. You don't have to come. You don't have to enter into my house. I don't have to know that you're there. All I've got to do is hear that word spoken by you, and my servant will be all right. Now that's faith in God. That's coming to God. That's understanding who he is and what he is, and the power that was within him. No doubt. We demand too much today. Amen? Yes. While Jesus was going someplace, there's a woman with the issue of blood. I want you to look at this. Jesus would have missed her completely had she sat where she was at. He would have passed her by. Amen? You read your Bible and you'll find that out. This little woman, as he was passing by there, understood in a sense she didn't understand all that we know about Jesus she didn't understand doctrinal points Uh, she didn't understand the different areas she didn't understand the Holy Ghost but she did understand one thing they say this is a man that has healing in his wings this is a man now she evidently knew something about the fringes on the garment. I'll not go into that. But she evidently knew something about that because she got up from her sick bed with her last ounce of strength she had and she got in from that outer circle into the inner circle and stretched forth her trembling hand as she said, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I know that I'd be made whole. And she touched the hem of his garment and power entered into her life and she came to him. Amen? John's disciples, after the beheading of John, came to Jesus like they were told. Jesus turns around and gets in a boat and leaves them standing there with their mouth open. And inside of them, and you've heard it, but listen, I'm going someplace. Inside of them, there must have been a dismay. There must have been questions. But John told us that he must decrease and this man must increase. And John told us to go to him. And so they came and told Jesus about it. Jesus turns his back on them, gets in the ship, goes to the other side, leaving them standing there with their doubts and with their fears had with their confusions of heart and mind, and yet, because what John said, because they loved their leader, because they knew he was a man of God, they knew they must have missed something. They knew there must be something there that they didn't do or didn't receive, and they walked 31 miles around that lake to the other side and brought them sick and afflicted with them. Now, if you want to know what moves Jesus today, Jesus was moved with compassion and healed their sick. If you want to know what moves Jesus today, it's individuals that's coming to Him under adverse conditions with questions and doubts in their mind and still fully intent in getting in the presence of God and finding out what they need to know about Him. That will still move Jesus. Hallelujah. That will still move Jesus. But we're living in a day 
Well, we're supposed to pray for everybody else and they don't pray for themselves. We're living in a day and hour where if it's just not right out here full course meal, why then Jesus don't care and so we just forget about it. Or maybe we say, well, if Jesus didn't do anything about it, maybe it's not time yet. I will grant you that's probably a probability. But for the most part, what we're dealing with here is the inability to come to Him. Our inability to realize what it means to come to Him. 31 miles, not really knowing for sure whether He would just turn right around and get in the ship and leave them there after walking 31 miles. But something motivated their lives. Something inside of them made them realize I've got to get to the Master. I don't care what it looks like on the service. I don't care what I think on the service. I don't care what anybody else thinks on the service. I've got to find Him where He is. And they went. Matthew talks about a Syrophoenician woman cried into Jesus saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And Jesus looks at her and you've heard this, said it's not meat. For me to give the children's bread to the dogs. This woman even being called a dog realized that her little daughter was ill. That she needed something. That she was in the presence of somebody that could give it to her. And she just simply said, I know that. I'm not asking to eat from the children's table. And I'm just asking for the crumbs that fall out from under the children's table. That's all I'm wanting. And Jesus said, your faith is great. And she received our healing right there. And even when he went to the demoniac of Gadara, there was something inside that man in the tombs that made him recognize who Jesus was. And verse 6 says, But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. How this man in full senses ran and worshipped him, and then the demonic forces took over and began to speak out. But this man worshipped Jesus. Jesus saw what this man was and saw what was needed. And this man saw in the eyes of Jesus something he never saw in anybody else's eyes. He looked in the eyes of the Master and he found compassion and he found love. And Jesus then did a number on this man. At this verse, verse 28, cannot stand by itself. Our problem has been that we, like a lot of individuals, have lifted a scripture out and have tried to give it two legs to stand on when there's just one. This is dual scriptures, or three of them, but especially the first two that has to come together. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. See, all of this he's still saying. You've got to come to me, bring your heavy burdens, You've got to get into my presence. But there's something else that you've got to do. You've got to be yoked with me. Oh you see, his is a double yoke. His is a yoke that is fitted especially for Christ and the weary Christian. And we need to put it on. 
What is that yoke? In short, his yoke is obedience. His yoke is submitting to his rule. His yoke is following in his way. It is a yoke where we are yoked to him in him. We need to get involved in the service of Christ. Which involves the suppression of our own will, our own self-will. And when we do that, we will find rest. Now most of the time, and listen to me, now most of the time when there's problems in a church is when somebody is not doing what they're supposed to do. And they are restless. And because they are restless, it creates an avenue and an inroad and makes others restless also. And then that causes division. And that limits the power of God. Hear me, saints. That limits the power of God. There's no use us asking for God to do miracles in our life as long as there's division in our midst and in our lives and in the body of Christ. Amen, Amen. Amen Brother Hoskoff. A lot of us have not suppressed our own will. A lot of us have found the will of God sometimes too hard for us. Some of us are not even still long enough to find out what God's will is in our life. Some of us are too busy wrestling with the things of this world, trying to find some peace and rest that we'll never find out here. You're never going to find rest in your job. You're never going to find rest wherever you're at. The only place there is rest, and I just said it, is in Jesus Christ. And there's ways that we find that rest. That's getting involved with Him. That's putting on the yoke with Him. That's being not unequally yoked, but equally yoked with Him and realize that where He goes, that's where we must go. We should have no say in that matter at all. You see, when we look for personal comfort and when we look for escape from duty, we are miserable and we are restless. Trying to find an easier way. And listen, saints, it is easy for the devil to make us comfortable where we're at. And yet inside our spirit is restless. We know something is wrong. We know we're not satisfied. We know we're not fulfilled. And yet inside, God is trying to say, listen, you can't walk this way and me walk that way and still be yoked together. And he says, take my yoke upon you then he says, that's not enough. While you're yoked with me, I want you to learn. Amen. You know how they train the young oxen? They yoke them with an experienced one. They, they yoke them with one that has had experience with this. And the young oxen can in no way deter this other one to go his way. Amen. So it is with Jesus. He is not going to go your way. I don't care how much you pull, how much you scream, how much you beat the floor, and how much you agonize, and how many pity parties you've got. He is not going your way. You have to go His. And therein is a problem. Because as long as we are not going His way, we can't learn of Him. There is a reason to be yoked with Him, and that's to learn of Him. 
Now that comes from the Greek word A-U-T-E-S and that is this that temper of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good therefore without disputing or resisting. That's meekness. He said for I am now what do we have to learn? Let me back up here. What do we have to learn? We have to learn that he is meek and that he is lowly of heart. And once we learn that and become as he is in that, uh, then we can experience what he said rests for our souls. We're not going to find it any other way. You see, Jesus in St. John 4.34 Jesus said unto them, now this is the flesh talking, that Jesus is yoked with that which indwells him. He said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's what the flesh is learning. Being yoked with that which indwells him. In the garden... Jesus says, not my will, but thine be done. In other words, he's saying, I know what I want. I know that this is a rough road. I know that there ought to be an easier way. God, and if it's possible, I'd like to go my way. And in the final analysis, because he was yoked to that which indwelt him, because he came in obedience to that, because he was born for that, because he died for that, he simply in the garden said, but not my will, but thy, be, thy will be done. He was learning. The Bible says he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And on the cross, notice what he said, I came to finish his work. In the garden of Gethsemane, he learned what it was to submit his will to that of Almighty God. I'm asking you tonight, I'm asking you to search your soul, do we actually know what it is to submit our will to the will of Almighty God? Have we ever sat down enough and being yoked with Him, and saying, God, I'm in this yoke with you. I've got to learn of you. I've got to understand you. I've got to be able to comprehend you. Have we sat down long enough and said, God, what is it you want out of me? Because once we find that, we're going to find some rest for our soul, and God only knows we need it. I'm not talking about somebody that don't know what he's talking about. I'm talking about somebody that has walked every avenue. That has endured thus far, and I thank God for that. I've got a lot lot more lessons to learn. And I've learned one thing. There is no peace in my life. There is no peace in my body. There is no peace in my soul until I'm up and about my Father's business doing what God wants me to do. I felt that come back at me. I'm going to say it again. I told you it would be hard hitting. I told you if you'd accept it, it's going to challenge you right where you sit. And I believe it's trying to. I want you to get it in your spirit. I want you to get it in your heart. And I want you to understand what God's trying to say to you. Amen. It is not what God wants for us to stand here and minister you day in and day out. 
I know in a sense sometimes that you're not receiving what he has to say. But it is not my place to make you believe it. It is not my place to coerce you. But it is my place under the obedience of God to have my soul at rest with him and speak the words that he gives me and challenge your life if you will receive it. A lot of us sometimes have gotten so high up that he's not going to tell me anything or she's not going to tell me anything. If God don't talk to me, I'm not going to listen. Honey, what do you think is happening now? Amen. Amen. What do you think is going on now? God is talking to you. And if you can find anything wrong with what i got to say, see me after church, I'll apologize to you. And you're going to have to admit that we simply do not have the peace and we do not have peace from weariness. And Jesus simply says, I want you to be yoked with me. I want you to learn of me as he learned from the Father, learned from the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I am meek. In other words, I am sub- subject to that which indwells me. And then he said, I am lowly in heart. In other words, he's saying, I'm humble in my mind. I'm willing to hear something that would help. And he says, if you'll be yoked with me, then you'll be as humble in your mind as I was. It says seek, we need to seek always the mind of God. Yes. I don't know if we know how to do that. We are so encumbered with our own self-will. Sometimes our own pride stands so much in our way that we refuse to be challenged even by the Word of God. Come on. And we set ourselves as steel and flint against what God's trying to say. And won't open our heart to Him. And still live in our misery. Still live in our doubts. Still live in our fears. And still live in our rejection. God's talking to us tonight. And some of you are rejecting Him. Come on. Come on. Amen. I'm going to let you know one thing. You're not going to find any peace in your life. Until you learn what the will of God is in it. And once knowing it. Some of us even know what it is and refuse to do it. What it says here, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. Now then, search the Bible any place you want to. Read every scripture that you want to in the New Testament and about Jesus, and you'll find what the mind of Jesus was. He just said it when I read it to you. His mind and His will was to do what that which indwelled Him told Him to do. Yes. And He said, now you let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. This mind in Christ Jesus was concerned about mankind and is going to hell. He was concerned about it. He was concerned about the sick, concerned about the afflictions. He was concerned about the efforts. He was concerned about his nation. He was concerned about the communities round about him. And every place he went, he was doing good. He preached some hard messages, but he meant them for good. Verse 8, in being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Romans 8, 7 says the carnal mind is enmity against God. In other words, he's saying here, you're not going to be able 
to receive these scriptures with a carnal mind. There is a depth of the Holy Spirit inside here. There's something hidden inside here that ought to jump out at us. And Jesus said, if you'll come to me, if you'll take my yoke on you, if you'll learn of me, if you'll realize who I am and what I was, speaking holy of heart, lowly of heart, you're going to find rest for your soul. Christ says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friend, if you want to trade that heavy burden of sin and despair and doubts and fears, then trade it and be yoked with Jesus Christ because it's an easy yoke. And he says in it, You'll find rest for your soul. If we don't have rest, then we have not found our way into this, what God asks us to do. I read this and I'll show you where it is in Hebrews 5, 8. Though he were a son, learned obedience. How did he learn obedience? But the things that he suffered. That's the way he came under obedience and suffering. Friend, listen, that doesn't mean that somebody's going to take a black snake whip and lay it across your back. I mean, if you really want to suffer, let's do something against your will. Now, I'm going to tell you that will make you suffer. Do something that don't do something that you want to do. Now, that's called suffering. Just to be obedient to Jesus. It's not enough to say, I don't want to do it. It's not enough, saints, to stand and say, this is not the way I want it. That's not enough. What he is saying here, I learned obedience. I learned it by suffering. I learned it by putting my own will out. It wasn't easy. Things I wanted to do, the way I wanted to do them. Jesus was human like us on the human side. But he learned. To be obedient. That which indwelt him, the power of the Holy Ghost, Almighty God inside of him, by suffering his own will and putting it aside and saying, God, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. If I was to gain this whole world doing what I want to do, and in a final analysis, find no rest for my soul and no rest for my weariness, have no rest for anything, then I have gained nothing. You see, what the Bible is trying to tell us, that for a Christian, there is rest in Jesus Christ, regardless of the situation we find ourselves in. And he says, but there's an avenue that I want you to approach. In the place, Jesus, yoked in obedience, to that which dwelt him, indwelt him, and so our flesh, yoked in obedience, in meekness and humbleness, to that which indwells us, is the answer to every problem that we have. Our situations may not change. No more than the situation changed when Jesus left and put his disciples on the ship, told them to go to the other side, and they run into a storm. And when they came into that storm and Jesus came and he had some words for them and he said, I want you to be of good courage because I'm here. 
And just because he said those words, the storm was still there, and lightning was still flashing, the waves was going over the ship, and nothing has changed. All Jesus wanted was for them to believe that him being there was enough. That's what he asked of us. Just to have him there. Faith is enough. Just to know that he's there in our circumstances is enough for us. God help us to understand that. God help us to know that he's not going to change everything by the snap of his finger. But it is going to happen. And when Jesus came into the ship, the storm ceased. Those waves that was threatening was just ripples now. Because of the mighty word of God. He rebuked the storm. Just like that. And he can do it any time. He wants to. Attesting in their ship. Their obedience to believe him. And just to make them understand. That in any situation. Regardless of what it is. Let him. Snuggle close to you. And let Him give you the rest that you need in the midst of your troubled world. Let Him take the problems. You can't handle them anyway. There's not one thing you can do to change some things in your life. And He may not at the time choose to change them. But He'll always be there. I want you to look at that again. Maybe it wasn't clear enough to come unto Him. All of us. Everybody. Take my yoke on you. And learn of me. Learn about my meekness. Learn what it means. Learn about my humbleness of mind. Learn what that is. And take my yoke on you. And while you're yoked with me, learn. Saints, when we're yoked with God, learn. Listen to what He's got to say to you. It'll come from here. It'll come from the Word of God. It'll come from somebody else. And listen to Him. And learn. Find out. And then He says, when you've done this, You'll find rest for your soul. Now either that is the case. Or he's like the man that wrote the letter or that's in the paper. He's the biggest liar that ever walked the face of this earth. Now we have a privilege of proving him to be truth. Or in our own failures to realize what he's talking about. In our own silence sometimes. Say it's not really happening. It's not really happening all. You just don't know Brother Hosko. You just don't know the sorrow I see. You just don't know. Well I don't walk in your shoes. But you don't walk in mine either. Amen. I've walked myself and as Paul says I'm only bragging to establish the fact in my life. I've walked a lot of hard roads. My road right now is not easy. But I'm a little bit older. God knows I can't take as much as I used to. Amen. And He's a little bit kinder to me. And I've walked a long way to get where I'm at. 
I walked a long way, and if you read uh, the words that Sister Hosko is writing to you, these are not idle tales. These are things that happened to us in our ministry. At Dover's from here to there, from hunger, uh, sometimes to starvation, uh, from the country to the city. Always trying to find in God some rest for our soul. And always finding that rest when we committed ourselves to Him. When we finally sat down and said, God, if this is what you want, this is what you're going to get. And I'm going to give you my life. The storm didn't cease then. And then finally it did. And then there was another one. On and on. And on you go, yes, I've been there. Yes, I've been there. I know what it's like to work with a bunch of atheistic individuals. I worked in the oil field. Friend, and listen, there's not any worse people in the world that works there. They're crude and they're, they're evil and they mock and they laugh. I underwent all types of things when they call me a holy roller and laugh at everything. And friend, listen, I lived a life. God lived a life through me. I give a testimony to them. And that one man, that, that individual that came and tested the tank would do everything he possibly could to make me mad at him, to make me say a curse word or whatever and I had to turn around and walk off and finally when I got ready to leave and God had called me someplace else he came up shook my hand and said I've never saw anybody take what you took and still hold fast to God I still believe there's a God I'm trying to tell you saints I have walked the road also and there is a God I may not understand him I may not know where he's at sometimes but I've got to believe His Word when He says that He'll give me rest. And friend, I've walked through a lot of valleys. I've walked through a lot of heartaches. And a lot of things. I've been ridiculed and I've been laughed at. <laughs> Amen. And that's alright. The only thing I don't want is being ridiculed by Almighty God. I don't want to stand by Him on Judgment Day and listen to Him laugh in derision, derision of what I fail to do. I mean, I'd rather please Him than to please you. Amen. Amen. Anytime. And I'd like to please you. I'd like to please you sometimes more than I ought to please you. There's a lot of things sometimes that ought to be said in a more clear way that God has simply got to move on my spirit. And sometimes I even dasen to do it then. But I want you to know this and take it for what it's worth. The Lord laid me low in my office. And he said, I want these words spoken. I want them spoken clear and true. And whatever they do with them is going to be up to them. And I'm trying to show you there is a way into Christ where we can find peace and rest for our soul. So we can lay down at night and thank God for the roads we've traveled, for the valleys we've walked through, for the mountaintops we've shouted on. And more than anything else, there's going to be an end to this. One of these days, thanks. One of these days, God's going to come and smite this thing and we will have won the final victory and the final war. It's going to happen, but right now, in the midst of every problem and every trouble, Jesus said it. If you do it like I said, you'll find rest. I don't mean... That you can lay down and do nothing. I don't mean that you won't have to battle. You will. But it does mean in the midst of all this controversy someplace inside is a deep 
settle peace that everything is going to be alright. God is going to take care of it. We lay down in our bed at night. Instead of praying for ourselves, pray for some soul that don't know anything about the divinity of God. We lay our heads on our bed at night. There's going to be something that comes inside and takes the weariness of the Spirit away from us. And we go to sleep. The only time we ought to ever be wakened is not by a troubling spirit, but by God's Spirit that says, I want to talk to you. And we ought to give Him time. Whether it's 10 o'clock, whether it's, whether it's 12 o'clock, whether it's 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock, or maybe God's saying, I want you to get into my word. This is a good time for you to get into my word. The only time that we ought to be troubled is when God troubles us. Because we have the power to rebuke the enemy. I'm going to say it again. Either these things are so, or Jesus is the biggest liar I walked on the face of this earth. Do you understand? Now I don't know why I know what I believe. Amen. And I know what we wouldn't outwardly say. But somewhere or somehow in our spirit, if we're not careful, we'd be prone to doubt really in our life about these things. Now I'm going to ask you while you're just searching for a few minutes your own soul, and I want you to do that. I want you to just stand there just for a while. Then I want you to leave your seat. I want you to come. I want you to kneel or stand here. I want you just before God say, Lord, I need that approach to you. I need it seriously. I need it now. Now I'm going to tell you again. This church can help us and we can pray. But these are individual battles that you yourself are involved in that you will be the winner or you will be the loser. It's a personal battle. We all have them. There are spiritual battles to hold church battles. But in this, that seeks to occupy our mind is a personal battle between you and the powers of the enemy. Now you remember what the Bible says, Come unto me, all you that labor, the heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. That's God's word. That's what he will do. There's a yoke. It's a double yoke. Joking us with him. He will not go your way. That's where the confusion comes sometimes. He will not go your way. You have to go his. It's about his.